All right, hello world, good people all across the world. This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. Today's special guest is none other than Dion James Lewis Jr. And uh, we'll get into uh, what he's all about. Uh, he has a quite a few things that he's doing, but remember, the purpose of this podcast is just to recognize black excellence all over the world. So without further ado, please introduce yourself, uh, Mr. Dion James Lewis Jr. Um, hey, my name is Dion James Lewis Jr. As he said, hashtag your favorite dancer. Um, that's my tag on uh, YouTube and TikTok. Um, I'm known for being a professional dancer. Uh, I also am a film editor and director. Um, I enjoy the entertainment business, been performing um, since 2006 and, you know, travel across the country uh, doing various types of performance as far as dancing and acting, film and theater, uh, choreographed for feature films and been featured on uh, national television a few times as well. So that's just a little bit about me and what I do. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your dance career first. Before we get into the choreography and your degree and all of that, let's talk about your dance career. Where did that begin? Uh, so honestly, it began when I was like really young. Um, I used to dance when I was like six, seven or eight, but I was kind of like embarrassed because in Detroit, as a guy, you know, dance wasn't really cool when I was younger. And so I only dance like in front of family or at church because at church is like, no matter what you do, they're going to be like, oh, praise the Lord. You're so good. <laughs> so, you know, I'll only dance in front of family at church. But um, when I moved from Detroit to Atlanta, I kind of wanted to reinvent uh, myself a little bit. And so it was uh, first day or second day of uh, high school. Um, it was a girl in my class that I wanted to impress. And she asked me, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, I dance. And she was like, oh, you're going to have to show me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll show you after class. And so um, after the bell rang, uh, we went to the hallway. I had no music. And I just started to dance. And while I was dancing, uh, it was like a crowd of people because everybody was switching class. A crowd of people came out and they like surrounded me. And he was like, mm -hmm. oh, oh. And like, I was like, you know what? I like this feeling. <laughs> I like this. I think I want to do this. And so from mm -hmm. that moment on, I decided like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be a dancer. I want to be a performer. And so that's how it all kicked off and started. Excellent. 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 Um, we may have to do the B-roll story that I have about <laughs> when the first time I saw you dance for real um this is quite a quite a story but i want to continue on with the interview first so so you talked about um being on so you think you can dance uh, -huh. uh kind of talk about that process and what that was for you and, and you know what what impact that had on your career uh so you think you can dance was a very interesting part of uh my career to say the least uh when you're actually on the show or auditioning for the show it's like you're there for like two or three days, but you're only dancing for like maybe an hour out of all that time. And so, you know, you're waiting in line and then there's a, there's an initial interview and like, okay, well, who are you? What do you do? So you do that interview. And then if you pass that interview, you do another interview and it's basically the same thing over and over again. And then it's like, okay, well, 
here are the people behind the scenes. You're going to dance for them first. And they give you like 10 seconds. You got 10 seconds to wow the wow. people. And so, and they play a random song. Like you don't get to pick your song. It's like a random song. And it's like, they put 10 people on the stage and each person gets 10 seconds. So you jump in wow. 10 seconds, then it's the next. So you got 10 seconds to wow the people. So uh, I actually went with a dance partner of mine, Damon. And so we had 10 seconds together. So it was really like five seconds a piece, but we was like, okay, we're just going to like start off doing something solo and then try to figure out how to join in together to some, whatever random song they played. So we did that and he was like, okay, yeah, we like you guys. All right. On to the next interview. So we did another wow. interview and they gave, they gave you like a golden ticket, kind of like the Willy Wonka thing. And it was like, okay, this is your day. You're going to come back this day. And then you're going to dance in front of the actual judges. And that's the part. Okay. So that whole first day, you don't, it's not what's shown on television. That's, they might film the lines and stuff, but none of that is shown on television. Uh, the day okay. you come back, that's what they air on television. That's where they have the judges and things like that. And it's basically like the same process all over again. Uh, you go in, you do an initial interview. And then you get in front of the judges and they once again give you 10 seconds to a random song with 10 people on a stage. And so you do that. Then you pass that part. Then that's like, OK, now you get to do your piece in front of the judges. So it was like a long process. And like I said, we only danced for maybe an hour all together because it was like another day they took us out and they because we were in Atlanta. So they took us to the main spots in Atlanta and just filmed us dancing for like B-roll mm -hmm. uh, for the show. So okay. but most of it was literally just sitting and waiting and then wow. interviewing, sitting, waiting and interviewing. Um, but I have to say it was fun. And that's when I found out that I really want to get more into behind the scenes when it comes to film work, because uh, on the show, I connected with a lot of the dancers, but I really connected with the crew, the camera crew mm -hmm. and things like that. I was talking to them all the time and we were having fun. You know, I even went out to dinner with them after we finished some of the filming. And I was like, yo, this, that part is fun. Like, I want to be able to do that part too. So that's how I got into the uh, film industry. And so it was through dance, but I really bonded with them. And um, so that was cool. But when the show actually aired, because I was on there for two separate seasons, the first season, um, it was interesting. It was a lot of love and hate that I got the first season because it was just like yeah. a huge... Uh, misunderstanding that happened and like I said I went on with the dance partner and we're a two-man dance crew and back then there wasn't a lot of two-man dance crew you were either a backup dancer or you had the full like seven or ten roster dance crew but it was yeah. just me and him and the only other like two popular two-man dance crew that we knew at the time was uh Lay Twins this group from uh France and mm -hmm. so, uh, and we found out about them because somebody commented on one of our videos, like, oh, you guys remind us of them. And we was like, well, we didn't know who they were. So we had to go check them out, make sure that was a compliment. And it was mm -hmm. a huge compliment because uh, <laughs> Lay Twins are really great. And um, so I was like, okay. So we was like, well, when we went on the show, the first season was like, well, we're going to give a tribute to them because, you know, they're out there doing what we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, so you think you can dance is a network television. And so their job is to make good TV. So yeah. during all the interviews, we talked about a couple of things. We talked about uh, how we met. We talked about um, Lay Twins and how our dance and stuff was a tribute to them because we were doing their choreography mixed with our choreography. And yeah. also we talked about, because we were young, I think we were both fresh out of high school. So we talked about how much we love women and how much we love to talk to women. And so that was the 
main things that we talked about in the interview, but when it aired on television, the only mm-hmm. thing they aired was the part of us talking about how much we love women. And <laughs> and at first I was like, I mean, okay, that's cool because you know, it shows, you know, we, we like girls, you know, ladies, men or whatever. <laughs> but then I was like, when after I watched it and they showed the choreography, it was like they only showed Lay Twins choreographies, the part that we mixed in the change, they didn't show. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh man. So right after the show aired, I, I had tweeted out, I was like, you know, shout out to Lay Twins. I just want y'all to know y'all inspire us and things like that because they did not mention them at all. And mm-hmm. I knew that that would be a problem, but mm-hmm. it became a much bigger problem than I first uh, foresaw because, um, yeah, so you think, think Dan said nothing. So their fan base just came attacking us hard. Like you guys yeah. know their dance, you tried to make it your own and da da da. And so it was like a whole bunch of backlash that we got um, out of that. And I was like, man, that is not what I expected. I thought, you know, I was going to be featured on the, show and everything was going to yeah. be great and it was like instead of like getting my 15 minutes of fame I got like 20 minutes of uh being hated by everybody mm-hmm. so that was a that was an interesting turn and so when we went back on for the second season our whole idea was like, okay okay we're just trying to prove that we weren't trying to steal you know we're trying to prove that we went on there as a tribute so in every interview that is all we talked about we didn't talk about nothing else so like if they aired it they couldn't switch it or cut it or anything we wanted to make sure (laughs) that this is why we're here this is the only thing and the second season they did kind of do right by us they um they showed the clip from the first season of us actually talking about late twins in their interviews and things like that for the second season because it made good tv and mm-hmm. so we had some people who were like, okay, well, you know, a year later, well, they were telling the truth. They obviously did it. And they're actually, they can really dance. They can dance on their own. They did their own choreography this time and it was just as good. So we got a lot of people who ended up supporting us off that. But then, you know, you also got those haters who are just haters and they just want to hate. So they, yeah. you know, but those people, I didn't really worry myself about because I was like, well, I can't change your mind no matter what I do. I'm just going to do what I feel is best for me and my career and just move on. And still to this day, I got a couple of people who um, hate me because of that, but I actually met with uh, late twins themselves. Uh, I think it was like a year or two after the second season. And um, I have a friend who dances with Beyonce and she invited me to the concert. So I went to the concert and then after the concert, I went backstage to hang out with all the dancers. And this is when Lay Twins were dancers with Beyonce. And so they were backstage and they saw me, they recognized me. And I was like, so what was that all about? And so come to find out it was, you know, they were upset when they heard about it, but they heard about it from their fans. And so yeah. their fans were the real ones that was pushing the, the hate narrative. And so we talked and so that was cool. And like, he was like, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's all good. It didn't hurt us. It's not really hurting you because you're still doing your thing. So it's in the past. And so we were able to bury the hatchet. So that was cool. So especially after that, I was like, well, I'm definitely not worried about what nobody else said. They said they're good. I said I'm good. And that's yeah. the end of it. And so yeah. uh, that's basically how the So You Think You Could Dance thing, it just kind of trickled all into that. So being on national television was cool. But that's mm-hmm. also when I found out how TV works and how it can yeah. be a blessing or it can be your worst enemy. Because when they edit and when they're in that editing room, they're literally just trying to make the best TV. And they felt that was the uh, best for the show. 
Yeah, so I'm happy we gave you the platform to explain that in great detail. And it ties into what we're trying to do here with Dripping in Black, and that is control the narrative. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes when we hear the word black, it's associated with negativity, right? Mm -hmm. But this show broadcasts black excellence. We provide people a window uh, of, of black excellence across all kinds of genres. And just to kind of counter the argument that black is a negative thing, you won't see any negative things on this podcast. So uh, thank you for sharing that story. Now, I mean, there's so much uh, that you've done in such a short period of time. So I want to kind of go through the, through the, through the timeline and, and talk about um, how you got to where you are now, right? So you talked about your dancing experience, but then there's dancing and then, then there's choreography, right? And then from that, you also talked about the behind the scenes, you kind of foreshadowed that. So give us a distinction between dancing and choreography, and then you can go from there into, you know, your, your uh, travels into college and what that meant for you. Um, okay, well, so dance is a very broad and general term. Um, when it comes, when I first started dancing, I was strictly freestyle. Like that's all I was doing. Um, you know, just going on stage, listening to the music, and just doing whatever comes to mind. And then freestyle turns into like a choreographed freestyle, which is like I know the song, so I know certain moves I can do to certain parts. But at the end of the day, it's still like those fillers in the middle. It's just, you know, me freestyling and just doing what I feel with the music. When it comes to being a choreographer, you are now the person in charge of making the dance. And it's basically like writing a story. You know, when you choreograph, you listen to the song and then you got to find the perfect move for every part of the song, put it together and then teach it um, to somebody else, either whether it's a dance partner so y'all can perform it together or whether it's a class. And so I got into choreography because actually when I was in high school, I was just always freestyling, always dancing. Like instead of going to lunch, I went downstairs to the dance to the dance studio and was just dance. I would dance during my lunch hour and things like that. And the dance teachers saw me and they was like, well, you know, we have a class going on right now during this hour. You want to just come in? And so I used to go into the class and used to take the dance classes to the point where my senior year, they was like, well, just, you know, I was in the uh, drama magnet because I was already acting and things like that because I've been acting since I was in Detroit when I was little, but it was just something I did on the side. But they was like, well, you should try to switch to the dance magnet or just do both. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do both. So I was a drama and a dance magnet in high school. And, um, and magnets is just like almost like a, a major in college is basically like their focus. And so, okay. um, yeah, I was a drama and dance uh, major major in uh, high school. And so I had like two or three dance classes that I was taking at the time. And that's when uh, I started learning other styles. Like I learned ballet. Uh, I learned some African step. I learned jazz. Um, I learned uh, Wigman, which is like almost like a creepy, like a slow type of thing. But I was learning all these dances from teachers and I was like okay cool I want to try to choreograph something and you know lo and behold that was one of the projects that we had to do before we graduated was choreograph a dance uh for the class and so I did that and so 
uh, before I left high school, I was actually choreographing some of the performances that we did in our spring show and our project dance show. And so I was like, okay, I like being able to choreograph because freestyling is one thing, but when I get to create the whole thing from scratch, you know, it's that much more fun. And I like the uh, process of creating because it's like you start with nothing and then you see it like, especially with choreography, it's like you hear the music, you see the moves in your head first and nobody else can see it. And then you bring it to life. And then you yeah. teach it to other people. And then when you see the finished product where other people are doing the dance that you created, it's like, wow, like that literally just came from up here. And so that mm-hmm. was like kind of like how I really got into choreography. And I was like, OK, this is kind of more so what I want to do. Like dancing is fun. I want to be able to dance, too. But I also want to be the person that's making the dance that everybody else is doing. And so. Okay. Uh, that's like how I got into choreography. And so, uh, after I graduated, I didn't go straight into uh, college. I actually went into the workforce. I was working and I was teaching at different studios and also, yeah. uh, performing. Um, I was performing, I performed in Vegas. I performed in Detroit, Florida, uh, Illinois, Georgia, a whole bunch of places. Uh, I've been traveling a lot, um, a lot of live shows. And I also did a promo video for Verizon um, that was really cool. And that was where editing came back up uh, for me. Um, I was editing a little bit in high school, but it was more so I was editing my own dance videos. I had a little laptop, I record, and then I just cut my own dance videos uh, so I can post on YouTube. But that was about it. But when I did the Verizon promo video, they had me on the green screen and um they told me the idea they had the idea was almost like an avatar feel like mm-hmm. uh it was like i had all four elements i had fire water wind and earth and so they wanted each dance that i did to kind of switch between the elements so i had to do four different styles of dance in the video so it started with fire went to uh water then went to earth and then it ended with wind so I created the choreography. And so while I was creating the choreography for the video, I had to visualize, okay, where would the fire go? Where would the water come from when I'm doing this move? How would the earth move when I'm doing this move? And how would the wind move when I'm doing that? And so they put me in front of the green screen and I did the dance. But what I liked is after we finished filming, they came to me and was like, okay, well, here's our editor. Can you sit with him for a minute and kind of explain to him what you were seeing? And so I was like, oh, yeah, cool, great. And so I got to work with the editor, and he was putting everything together. He was like, okay, so you want the fire here? Is it like this? Is it like trailing you? Is it like coming out of your hands? Is it like a ball? And so I was telling him everything that I was seeing when I was uh, thinking of the dance. And then he was like, okay, great, I got you. And then he said, we're sending you the finished product. And so they worked on it. And then I think it was like a few weeks later, I got an email of the finished product, and it looked amazing uh the video is still on my youtube it's uh called icon um on my youtube channel my youtube channel is hashtag your favorite dancer so you can check that out but it just turned out beautiful and i was like yo i want to learn how to do that because i can dance but what he did with the video made my dance look so much better and so i was like that's what i need to be doing and um so my laptop unfortunately uh at the time had crashed 
So my editing stuff kind of like took a halt because I didn't have anything to uh, edit on. And um, so it was kind of like, I couldn't do much. And so if I could get to a computer or somebody else's uh, Mac, then I would edit here because I started, uh, because of my dance videos, I started getting people coming to me was like, well, can you edit this? I like people wanted me to edit videos for somebody's birthday or uh, edit video for uh, something they had coming up and I would do it and they would pay me. And I was like, okay, this is another little side <laughs> hustle I got going on. And so um, I did that for a while until I just couldn't cause I didn't have the um, tools to do so. Yeah. And I just kept on performing, but uh, college was always something that I was supposed to do you know i always wanted to go back to school so talk about because you talked a little bit about how you started off just basically working Mm -hmm. you know creating a career but something made you go to college Mm -hmm. so talk about what that was and then talk about how you think the benefit um what how you benefited from going to college and that college experience also make sure you plug the college that you went to oh of course uh (laughs) so with me it was kind of a two-front thing um I always knew I was supposed to go to college especially I just didn't know what I at first it was just like business because that's like a very general thing and I know I want to own my own business as far as like owning my own dance studios and well performing art studios all together um in the long run. So I was thinking business, but I didn't really know what it was. And once I kind of locked in on film uh, editing and directing, then I was like, okay, cool. But I also made a promise to my dad that I was going to go back to college because he always wanted me to go to college. That was like his thing. He was like, I love what you're doing. I support everything you're doing, but I still think that you need to go to college and get your education. And I told him, I made a promise to him. I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing as far as like my dance and everything. But when I'm 25, I will go back to college. That was my goal. Um, but then my dad passed when I was 24. And so I ended up going a year early because I was like, well, I know he always wanted me to go to college. So I'm going to go back now. And um, I found out about uh, the Wiley College where I graduated from because I worked on a film called uh, The Birth of a Nation with Nate Parker. And it was, yeah. a, it was like the first feature film that I ever worked on. I just worked on it as an extra. But um, I was there for the process and I was there for like three or four days uh, shooting uh, the movie and um, got to meet Nate Parker. He was a really cool guy. And I was also with my dance partner, Damon, because he acts as well. And uh, we got to meet him and he he has a film institute that's a part of Wiley College. And we found out about that. And so my best friend, he had went, uh, he had already went out to Wiley. And so when I decided to go back to school, I was like, well, already my best friend is already at Wiley College in Texas, so I'm gonna go somewhere where I know at least one person to make it a mm-hmm. little bit of an easier transition. And okay. so uh, I went to Wiley College uh, during the spring semester of 2017, and um, that was actually I say that's one of the best decisions that I've made in my life. Um, because a, I was able to get my education and it was, it's an HBCU. And I feel like it's very important that, uh, we as black people go to HBCUs because, and I seen this on a post, I think it was actually yesterday. It says we have our whole life to be a minority. 
So why not go to an HBCU where you're the majority, you get to be around your whole people. And I felt that because it was like, yeah, when I went to an HBCU, when I went to high school, it was a majority uh, white and Caucasian. You know, I was a minority at my school and I love my high school, but everything about the way the high school was ran and about the way the high school was pushed wasn't really with my best interest compared to when I went to an HBCU everything is surrounded about uh, making sure is in our best interest as black people. Like black excellence is basically the motto of every HBCU. And so um, going to Wiley really kind of opened my eyes about that. And it was like, wow, I've never had classes tailored to me so much. You know, when you go to school, you hear about a lot of stuff and you get a lot of information, but going to an HBCU, I realized how much I didn't learn about who I was and people who are like me because it just was not part of the curriculum. And so I really support going to HBCUs for sure. And on top of that, the connections I've made at school um, was just wonderful. I was able to meet other like-minded people of color you know, and other dancers, other people who wanted to be editors and other people who were in film and theater. I was able to connect with all of them and um, build a relationship with them. And also is where I found my fraternity. Um, I am a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and I am a member of the Alpha Sigma chapter, which is actually uh, the mother chapter um, out in Texas. It's the uh, first chapter um, that side of the Mississippi River. And so um, I met with uh, the alphas that was already on campus and I just kind of saw what they were doing just on campus alone and how they were out front and how they were just really trying to promote, you know, the school, promote, you know, blackness, black excellence and things like that. And that inspired me even more. And yeah. so um, I decided to um, join the fraternity as well and that was another great decision that I was able to do with my best friend and like that has also been able to kind of catapult my career even further because close to my last semester of college um there was a new film teacher that was uh added on as a professor and he kind of talked a movie to be shot on our campus and when the movie was shot on our campus, the director was actually uh, an alpha himself. And so uh, we were able to get an internship on the film. And um, at first, my original internship was um, just to be a PA, a producer's assistant, which is cool. Uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I'm behind the scenes. I get to learn everything. I was actually placed uh, under the second assistant director. So I was like basically in charge of making sure the actors got where they needed to be. I was making sure everybody was working where they were supposed to be working. I was making sure, you know, the scripts were where they needed to be and things like that. And I also, because they knew I wanted to be an editor, um, they placed me under the editor. So I got to watch him as, as he cut some of the scenes for the movie and also as he did some of the behind the scene interviews as well. So I really got a hands-on approach, but what ended up happening before the movie even started, um, I had showed my film teacher a dance video that I just made because I was like, it was like almost like a short film and a dance video put together that I, you know, just created. 
and I was trying to see what his input was and he really liked it. And he was like, I didn't even know you dance. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's like my first love. And he was like, well, uh, the movie is a movie about fraternities, but they're looking for a choreographer. Do you think that you will be willing to do it? And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> like for sure, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I was able to choreograph for a feature film because I went to Wiley College and the connections that I made there. And um, wow. that was so real in itself because it's like, you know, when I was on set and I was teaching the actors the moves, and to me, as a dancer, like when I make it, I'm like, oh, this is easy, you know, I'm about to teach, and I'm used to teaching other dancers, so I'm like, okay, right. yeah, you know, and then I gotta realize, oh no, I'm teaching actors. Most of them don't really know how to dance. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, so some of these moves that like I'm thinking is easy, they're like, wait, can you explain that to me again? Wait, okay, so is it like this? And I'm like, oh, I might have to adjust this just a little bit. Um, but for the wow. most part, they were able to get it. And um, I remember it was one day we was on set and they had learned the dances. It was like a, a car wash thing for the movie and they were doing it. And I just sat back and was like, wow, I made that. Like. And they're like, I see the cameras filming them. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I did that. And this is going to be in the film. And so um, that was just an awesome experience altogether. The name of that film is uh, Tasmanian Devil. Uh, Tasmanian with a Z, not an S. So T-A-Z-M-A-N-I-A-N, Devil. Um, yeah. Uh, they just dropped the trailer for it a couple of weeks ago. So the trailer is on YouTube. Um, and it's also about to be a part of the African-American uh, Film Festival. Uh, okay. So that's another great thing about it. Um, I was able to see part of the film already, and it was really good. It was really amazing. And then it was just another one of those things where I actually get to see my choreography in a feature film. And Damn. it was like, man, like, I remember when I heard the song that I was creating these strolls to, and I was like, okay, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm just trying to go with it. And then to see a transition from my idea to a feature film, it was mm -hmm. like, man, that is, that is crazy. And I'm really humbled and honored that I was able to do that, you know, simply because I was just in the right place in the right time. And that right place and right time was at Wiley College in my professor's office, just showing him a dance video that I was about to put out on YouTube. And yeah. So, and Wiley is really a very iconic school. Uh, is it Wiley College is the home of the great debaters. So the movie, the great debaters was based off of their debate team. Um, so yeah. uh, it's like they already are a very honorable institution and they their acapella choir is uh, they worked on uh, the movie as well with Nate Parker, um, Birth of a Nation. And, yeah. you know, their song was like on top 100 charts and things like that. So it was like the school offers so much to their students. And it's just like, because it's an HBCU all the way out in a small town in Marshall, Texas, I feel like it doesn't get the love that it deserves. Yeah. But for it to be a small college is doing like great things. And it really has connected me in so many different ways to so many different people um, that I feel like, like I said before, like that was literally the best decision I had 
I've made in my life because going back to school and then going to Wiley College itself has really put me in a position to better myself. Like I, I got my, I graduated uh, earlier this year. I got my degree and I already got my first job using my degree as in uh, marketing. Um, my degree mm-hmm. is in mass communications and with a focus in film. And I work for Fuse Marketing and uh, my client is TikTok, who is, you know, who is a social media app that I've actually been using since before I was working for them. So um, now I'm a content creator on there and it just gives me other avenues because now I'm working with Fuse Marketing who works with so many different um, organizations and, and businesses like, like TikTok or Amazon and things like that. But I also get to work with the people of TikTok who do content creation and things like that and are kind of like, in the realm of editing and things like I want to do. So I'm really in a great position right now to kind of just continue to catapult my career and where I need it to go. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you've done such a wonderful job. I just let you go. Um, you, you show, uh, you illustrate what this platform is designed to do, the Dripping in Black podcast, and that is to bring on guests and allow them to kind of talk about what it is that they do, what they're passionate about, and for us, it's just, you know, representing black excellence. All right. So you you kind of a lot of the things that I wanted to bring up and try to guide you towards, you actually went right into it. So you talked about the Tasmanian Devil uh, a feature film coming out. I do want you to go a little bit more into detail about the uh, festival that you said that they were a part of. And from this lens, because we know we're in COVID-19 and that's impacted everything. So this festival that you spoke of, is it still going to happen? And if so, how is it going to happen in the COVID world? So go into a little detail about that. Um, as far as uh, with the African-American Film Festival, um, it is still going to happen. Uh, it was actually just chosen, I want to say two or three weeks ago, and it is going to be like a virtual uh, festival. Um, okay. Uh, as far as like all the information, as far as like how it's going to be, I don't know because I know the film festival is still kind of adjusting itself because, okay. you know, film festivals are like really this big thing where like all yes. these films come out and are shown and people, you know, get to, you know, buy films at film festivals and things like that. Uh, so, and the African-American Film Festival is literally, you know, a film festival about promoting black directors and black actors and black right. producers and like, you know, just African-Americans telling African-American stories. And yes. that was another thing that uh, my professor, my film professor was all about. Um, in his class, we dissected so many uh, black films and what was the difference between an authentically black film and a film with black characters because wow unfortunately a lot of people can't tell the difference there are some movies out there that have a lot of black characters but it's not an authentically black story as in like if it was like real if it was black people telling the story you'd be like okay i don't think that's actually 100% accurate because you know, this is what will really happen in that situation. Like, you know, if you watch a scary movie or whatever, and you always see how people are going into the scary movie, and you're like, okay, first of all, we know black people don't do that. <laughs> if we hear a sound, we not about to go try to figure it out. We not about to, we just gonna leave. Like, that's an authentic black thing. But 
yeah. you know, there's a bunch of movies, and not all the movies are bad with black characters. Right. You know, there's some great movies out there with just black characters, but it's just like sometimes because those black characters are the only thing that's shown, that's how that uh, view of black people is created. You know, yeah. um, like I said, a lot of the negative connotations of black people come from television because yeah. it's either what the Absolutely. media puts out or is what is shown in movies. Like if every movie, all you see is black people being thugs and, yeah. and shooting and killing or, you know, pants sagging and things like that. And that's your only uh, view of a black person because you don't live next door to one. Then you're yeah. going to think all black people are like that. And Absolutely. So that's why it's very important for us to tell our own stories and um, the film festival is the platform for those movies and those um stories to be put out there so people can see no this is what we're really about you know the other stuff is just a character like a comic book character that somebody created it's not real this is what's real this is who we are this is how we actually act and things like that Mm -hmm. so i feel like that's the uh, best thing about the film festival. Um, as far as like with COVID-19, I know everything is just going to be uh, virtual. I know they're supposed to yeah. be putting, giving us something within this week uh, to kind of follow their virtual journey and everything because they've added a few more films within the last week or so that's going to be um, part of the uh, African-American Film Festival. So I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see how they're going to push it and um, exactly how they're going to allow people to view and see uh, these uh, movies created by um, Black artists, directors, and producers. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. And I think what I would add to that is it gives us an opportunity to show the diversity of Black people. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not just one type of people. You know, we have different interests, you know, different things that we like to do. And so when we have when we have control of the narrative, then we can show all of those sides of what it means to be black and be excellent at it. Right. So thank you. This has been a an excellent, excellent interview. Um, And uh, I just want to at this point give you an opportunity to talk about the various social media outlets that you have going on. So go into the details about that. Uh, You got your TikTok, you got your YouTube make sure you kind of tell people about both of those in, in, in some detail for us. Okay. That's great. Great. So, uh, YouTube is obviously the first love. Um, I started making YouTube videos in 2006 or 2007. Um, and I'm, since I got a new laptop and I can start editing again, I've been posting like videos, like almost monthly. Um, okay. My YouTube channel is, uh, like I said, hashtag your favorite dancer, or you can find it, uh, Mr. DJ Lou 92. Um, I also have a secondary YouTube channel, but that one is more for my professional work. I have two different YouTube channels. One is like my personal stuff where I do my short films, my dance videos. And I also have a, a vlog on there called hashtag awesome. And it's basically yeah. just me and the different things that I do when it comes to dance and acting and it's like a behind the scene looks at everything that I do and just things that I feel are awesome. So that's why I named the show hashtag mm-hmm. awesome. So that's also on my personal channel. And then I have DJ LJ film studio channel. And I just started this channel because I just started editing for other people again. And um, 
Sometimes they allow me to put posts what I make for them on YouTube. And I didn't want it to kind of like mix in with my uh, personal stuff. So I made the DJ LJ Film Studios channel um, to post my professional work for other people. And that way, if uh, people want me to edit something for them, they can go through that page or they can email me at uh, djljfilm at gmail.com. And then I get back with them and then I edit and send it back out to them. And if they allow me, I put it on uh, that channel. Um, I also am on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Dion underscore J underscore Lewis. Um, I post exclusive dance videos on Instagram as well. And, you know, Twitter is just, you know, if you want to just see a peek inside my brain and what I be thinking, I just kind of tweet. <laughs> I just trying to tweet whatever I'm thinking about on Twitter. Um, okay. That's where I have my fun. Uh, TikTok mm-hmm. is by far my largest uh, platform that I'm on right now. I have approximately 115,000 115, uh, followers on there. Um, wow. I post like maybe two, two, three times a day. Um, and that's more so my goofy and editing side mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I just make fun videos for people to laugh. And um, that, that my TikTok journey has been interesting because I never expected it to get where it is. Um, when mm-hmm. I, I had TikTok back when it was Musical.ly, it was a different kind of app. And I just it was on there. I had like 20 followers on Musical.ly. And then I stopped using Musical.ly. And then I just remember seeing an app on my phone called TikTok. And I was like, I don't remember downloading no TikTok. What is this? And I mm-hmm. opened it. And I was like, oh, it's just Musical.ly. They just changed the name. And I found out they had got bought out. Mm-hmm. And so I started using it again. And, you know, little by little, like I went from 20 to 100, 100 to 200 or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit of a following. But what happened was I posted a video on my TikTok over, I think it was like a winter break. And it just went viral. Like everybody mm-hmm. started watching it. And I had like a whole bunch of views on it. And then the next thing I know, World Star Hip Hop got a hold of it. Uh, my cousin, <laughs> my cousin was like, uh, you know, you're on World Star Hip Hop? I was like, you know, I'm not. And he was like, yes, you are. And he, I was on their Snapchat story. And so he sent me the Snapchat story of me on Warstar Hip Hop. And I was like, oh, my God, out of all the videos, why this one? And so I was like, okay, that's cool. And so I got a a bunch of views on that one. And then the next thing I know, Steve Harvey posted it on his Instagram page. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Because in the video, I literally, I was just waking up. I had like a bandana on my head because I was like, you know, I was keeping my hair safe. And I just made the video because I was like, I'm just waking up. I'm bored. The sound is funny. Let me just do it. And then the fact that it just went that far um, blew my mind. And then with all that, I got like 2,000 followers just because that video went viral. And then I was like, man. And so then like the pressure went up because now people are looking at my videos. Like I'm getting a lot of views and a lot of likes per video. So I'm like, oh, I got to keep this up. And, you know, as I just kept going, I had more videos go viral. I had a couple of dance videos go viral. I got two videos right now. Uh, the one that Steve Harvey posted and the dance video that I posted actually uh, this past summer that have over a million views on their own. Wow. And so and on that platform, I kind of own the hashtag Your Favorite Dancer. Um, I'm like the only person who used that. And that's how I keep track of my views as a whole. And as a okay. whole, my hashtag has about almost 15 million views and that's wow. just the videos that i put the hashtag on because there, there's videos that i posted that i didn't use the hashtag for 
Um, as far as like uh, when the whole Black Lives Matter movement got strong again this year, I uh, took it upon myself to use my platform because I already had like I think I had like ninety thousand followers at that point, and so I took it upon myself to use my platform to just speak on what it is we're fighting for because a lot of people are not necessarily racist or mean they're just uneducated so they don't understand absolutely what, what we're saying like you know a lot of people and it's just because once again they only see what's on tv and so if what's on tv is rioting and looting and people being violent all the time they're like well yeah black lives matter is violent you know black lives matter is only count think about black people and this like that and i'm like no that's not what we're right. talking about you know black lives matter is about stopping injustice and things like that and a lot of you know the biggest argument we get on black lives matter is like well if black lives matter cared about black people then they should deal with black on black crime and it was like you know i had to you know break that down it's like black on black crime is literally just another term used to kind of make us look violent because you know as i'm pretty sure you've heard a thousand times there's no white on white crime or Brown on brown right. crime is just black on black crime. So I use my platform to kind of address all those different things that were going out there. You know, people were uh, saying it to me directly, like, and not in a mean way. Like one of the questions that I asked, and I thought it was very interesting. He was like, uh, I understand what you guys are saying, but why is it that your culture glorifies uh, rap gangs <laughs> and uh guns and things uh uh i mean uh yeah gangs guns and violence your culture like yeah and he said that's my culture and i was like no that's not my culture i said yes there's rap music that speaks about gangs and drugs and violence and things like that but you can't say the whole culture of black people is based off of this artist's uh viewpoint and i'm like right. and also it's not only in rap I was like, when you think about glorifying drugs and sex and all that stuff, it's in every form of music. You know, Absolutely. it's in rock and roll. It's in country. It's like in R&B. It's in pop. Like every form of music is, is glorifying that stuff. That's the media itself. Yeah, exactly. And so like the, <laughs> like, like the media itself is really pushing that narrative, but that's not us. And I was like, if that's the only rappers that you're hearing, then that also goes to show what you're listening to, because I can name a couple of rappers that are completely against that kind of stuff who rap Indeed. about bettering yourself. They're literally gospel rappers who talk against that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. you know, and I explained that, to them. I said, like, the truth be told is not my culture doesn't glorify it. I said the media glorifies painting my culture in that light. You know? But, you know, it's all about educating yourself and truly diving in to what first of all what rap is and that's a whole nother conversation i don't even know yeah. if i'm fully educated enough to talk about that but i get the gist of it but you got to educate yourself on what rap is what what music is and what glorifying those things is about because that's not what my culture is about at all yeah and yeah. so um yeah but like i said tiktok is definitely where i have my most following and it's because of that and you know my funny videos you know i I keep it real. I understand that I have a platform because I have so many followers. So if I was to be silent on something like that, then what is the point of me having that platform? And that's yeah. truly what I believe. If you have any type of platform where you're in front of people, you must use it to educate people and basically give them an understanding of what is going on to just help better 
everybody. And so, yeah. yeah. So my TikTok is also just my name. It's just at Dion J. Lewis. No underscores for the TikTok. And yeah, like I said, I still post on there almost every day. I just posted on there this morning. Uh, and yeah, um, that's basically my social media. YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok are my biggest ones. Like Twitter is just like Twitter and I guess some people still use Facebook. I have a Facebook, but my Facebook is basically like whatever I post on Instagram goes to Facebook and almost yeah. whatever I post on Twitter also goes to Facebook. It's just kind of like the hub of all my social medias put together. Got it. All right. Great, 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 great conversation. Um, I want to do a few things uh, just to kind of put a period on this conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give you a chance to go back through slowly over your social media mm-hmm. uh, platforms so that people can get it. And just to let people know that we will have those uh, in our show notes as well. So, so people can know exactly where to find you. So kind of run those down for us real quick again. Okay. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Dion underscore J underscore Lewis. Uh, follow me on Instagram, the same thing at Dion underscore J underscore Lewis. Follow me on TikTok at Dion J Lewis, no underscores. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at hashtag your favorite dancer or Mr. DJ Lou 92. Or you can uh, check out my professional work at uh, DJ LJ Film Studios on YouTube. All right. So I'm going to thank you, Mr. Dion J. Lewis Jr. for coming on and look forward to seeing what else you're doing in the future and maybe having you back on at a later date. And I thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was fun. Peace. Anchor is the easiest way to create a podcast. Not only is it free, it has all the tools one needs to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Additionally, Anchor distributes your podcast to all major platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Anchor is an amazing one-stop shop for podcasting. Download your Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks again to your favorite dancer, Mr. DJ Deion James Lewis Jr. Um, one of the things we did not mention throughout the course of the interview, uh, mainly because it was just organic in the way we talked about, we talked and discussed things, uh, but that is my nephew. He is the son of my late brother, Deion James Lewis Sr. And uh, of course, I'm very proud of him um, and all that he's doing in his life and uh, such a great spirit just happy for him and uh, proud of how he's overcome so many things and so many things he's accomplished at such a young age so yeah you're a favorite dancer but it's that time again in the episode where we get to the last drip the last drip is the last opportunity to give you a drip more of excellence and so we keep that uh, last drip related to the topic or topics that we may have discussed throughout the episode 
in this case, we talked about Wiley College. Well, Wiley College, if you've seen the movie The Great Debaters, Wiley College was featured in The Great Debaters. If you haven't seen the movie, shame on you. Um, this is the movie that um, has stars like Denzel Washington and Horace Whitaker. But the uh, character uh, that's played by the young kid at the time, uh, Denzel Whitaker, he is actually uh, representing a true life figure and an important alum of Wiley College by the name of James Farmer Jr. So the story depicts the character of James Farmer Jr. And a lot of what the story uh, tells is true. He was a student at Wiley College. His father was also a professor at Wiley College. And uh, James Farmer Jr. was also a member of the debate team for Wiley College. And Wiley College's debate team was and still is one of the best in the world. Wiley College is an HBCU, which, if you don't know, means a historically black college and university. And so um, uh, James Farmer Jr. would go there and graduate with distinction and then later on be a major part in the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. He actually founded the organization CORE. Congress on Racial Equality. He played a major role in the Freedom Rides, which was the nonviolent method of trying to break segregation over uh, interstate highways. So just a lot of great things done by him. If you get a chance, I always encourage you to look up on your history. Notice our black excellence spans not only the globe, but throughout the, throughout our past. All right, so we'll leave it there. Until next time, be good, be good, be good. It is your choice.